drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive. I'm keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you on this Monday, October the 17th, 2022. Praise be to God. On the feast day of St. Ignatius of Antioch, successor of St. Peter in Antioch, not in, in Rome. Cool guy, nonetheless. And if you've never read his seven epistles, well, golly gee whiz, what are you doing with your life? I mean, you must reassess. I mean, take some time today. It would literally take you, I don't know, an hour, two tops to read all seven of his letters. But they are absolutely worth it because it is going to be uh, an eye-opening experience to discover just how Catholic the Church was in 100 A.D. from a guy who knew the apostles. Uh, I encourage you to do that today. Hey, Father Frank Pavone is going to be on the program at 35 past the hour. He's going to weigh in on all of the attacks on pregnancy help clinics that have Nobody's been arrested in those cases, but pro-lifers are getting arrested. People he knows personally, he will discuss that with us at 35 past the hour. And then I want to ask the question at 15 past the hour, what makes the saints so different than you and me? What do they have that we don't? I want to talk to you about that at 15 past the hour. Tito Edwards from BigPulpit.com is going to be on at the top of the second hour of Catholic Drive Time. We're going to be talking about two stories. He's got a, like, I don't know, it's, it's like the biggest Monday edition of BigPulpit.com. There's like a ton of stories linked up over there. But the Pope extending the, the Synod to 2024 and Father Flager suspended by Cardinal Supich. What's going on there? We'll conversate about that with Tito Edwards from BigPulpit.com. At the top of the next hour, so many stories in the news, of course. Electric vehicles, if you have one, keep it away from saltwater. Apparently, that causes them to explode and blow up and burn down. You don't want that. They're having a lot of problems of this nature in Florida. Mexico's nearly 300-year-old traditional pilgrimage of the Virgin of Zapopan drew record numbers, over a million people. That's amazing. I bet you didn't hear that in the news this weekend. Secession is on the agenda. Uh, voters in nine Oregon counties have already supported uh, ballot measures. They want to leave Oregon and join Idaho. Secession in our country. Yikes. Disturbing images have emerged over the weekend in Iran. There is a prison over there notorious for housing all of the political dissidents that they don't like, all these people that have different opinions than the ruling party, they put them in this prison. Well, this prison burnt down over the weekend. We're not sure why, but there are fatalities. Please pray for the repose of their souls. But uh, good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. And may I just ask you, dear listener, mm-hmm. please pray for a man I encountered on the road this morning. Uh-oh. Uh, I don't know if he's okay or not, but uh, he just kind of collapsed in the middle of the road at you know, 5 in the morning. So uh, please pray for them. Uh, otherwise, it's good to be here. <laughs> Nothing but sunshine today. <laughs> Nothing but sunshine. Yeah. Well, yeah. In this veil of that's, tears. That's, that's my job to be Debbie, <laughs> Debbie Downer. But okay. Praise well, be to God. Anyway. <laughs> How was your weekend, Rudy? Uh, the weekend was kind of frustrating, to be honest with you. Because really? uh, there's too many projects and I, I'm frozen. I don't know where to start. Mm. So Step one, come step to my one, house and mow my lawn, clean out my oh, garage. Oh, you still need that? And that I'll will give that. you peace and it serenity will. and focus. I love yard work. <laughs> Come on. Oh, let me keep you busy then. <laughs> All right. Good. Busy. 
Uh, good morning to you, Adrian Fonseca. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. Praise despite be to God. Yes, despite all the bad news from you, Debbie Downers. No, <laughs> no, no. Praise be to God. Speaking of which, I heard you had some uh, bad news over the weekend. I did. You had to go to Dallas. Oh. You just had to. Uh-huh. Right. Bad news. Well, I, mean, I guess the bad news about it was the, uh, the highways over there are awful. It's like <laughs> trying to navigate a maze. I'm trying to, I'm going over, I'm like, mean, I'm like, please, God, do not let me miss my exit. Because then <laughs> it'll be, this trip will be another 45 minutes. No, there's, uh, there's, there's 4 billion no. options mm-hmm. in the Dallas Fort Worth Metro. Absolutely awful. However, I went to the Blessed Carl of Austria Symposium, mm-hmm. and that was pretty epic. Uh, Blessed Carl of Austria, I did not realize how amazing he is. I uh, did not get the grasp mm-hmm. of him, and I did not get why everybody liked him so much. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm going to go on this. Uh, this symposium, and I'm going to learn about this guy and see if I actually do should should like him. And sure enough, should I, like I left, and I was like, wow, <laughs> wow. this High guy is, um, is pretty epic. Maybe I'll tell you about him during the after show. Well, we've discussed him in the past with uh, with your good friend. Uh, what was his saint? What was his name? Uh, Rudy Carlos St. Charles Cologne. Oh, yes. Yeah, peace be upon him. Peace be upon we, him. We've He's had great. that conversation in the past. <laughs> he is a very fascinating character. Maybe we should revisit that topic. But uh, nonetheless, we have a, a lot to get into. I do want to share with you something I did on Friday night that was epic and cool. And I'll do that at 15 past the hour. But let's pray. Let's get into it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Monday, October 17th, and here are your headlines this morning. Brown News reports prominent Chicago priest accused of sexual abuse of minor. The Archdiocese of Chicago announced on Saturday that there will be an investigation into a new allegation of sexual abuse against Father Michael Flager. The abuse is alleged to have occurred more than 30 years ago. Father Flager has been asked to step aside from his ministry and live away from the parish. You may uh, remember Father Flager from his uh, unique masses. Military.com reports 11 Russian troops slain at shooting range as fighting rages. At least 11 Russian soldiers were killed on Saturday in a shooting incident. The Russian Defense Ministry said two men opened fire at a volunteer soldiers, uh, volunteer soldiers that is, during target practice sessions in western Russia, killing 11 of them and wounding 15 others before being killed themselves by return fire. The ministry called it a terror attack. And the Epic Times reports Abbott Nutrition recalls some of its liquid baby formula. Abbott Nutrition has announced it's recalling some of its baby formula products sent to hospitals and retailers in the United States, Canada, and the Caribbean because of the risk that some of it may be spoiled. The company said the voluntary recall is for certain lots of its two-ounce uh, two fluid uh, bottles of ready-to-feed liquid products for infants and children. The caps of some of the bottles in the recalled lots may not have been sealed completely, which the company said could result in spoilage. Spoiled products, if consumed, could cause gastrointestinal symptoms such as diarrhea, vomiting, or worse. And Ground News also reports retail sales flat in September with inflation hot. Spending at retail stores fell flat in September as consumers continue to confront the hottest inflation in 40 years. 
Retail sales, a measure of how much consumers spent on a number of everyday goods, including cars, food, and gasoline, was unchanged at zero percent in September. The Commerce Department announced. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint John, the dwarf. He was born around the year 339, around Theban region in the Upper Egypt, in a poor but holy family. His desire for monastic life led him, since his early years, to remote places where he trained himself for this austere lifestyle. It was not long before he was led by divine inspiration to leave his town. He retired when only 18 years old into the wilderness of Skeet, also called the Natron Valley, and set himself with his whole heart to put on the spirit of Christ. He went to become a disciple of the old hermit Abba Pumoa, who was the teacher of Saint Pishoy, the perfect man. Abba Pahoma tried to deter him from adopting this harsh monastic life. By night, an angel appeared to him, asking him to accept the young John as a monk. After three full days of fasting and prayers, the master and the disciple witnessed an angel blessing the new cloths John was to put on. Saint John renounced all distraction and entertainment, and since monasteries were not built at that time, only hermits were populating the desert. He endured all the difficult tests as an experienced master rather than a bright disciple. Abba Pama led him to perfect watchfulness, solitude, subduing the body, meekness, silence, humility, simplicity, and obedience. About silence, he taught him, saying, "My son, be silent, lest evil thoughts overtake your mind and lose your soul. Particularly in church, we ought the most to be careful in order to be worthy of the presence of holy mysteries." When he drew near his end, his disciples entreated him to leave them some final lesson of Christian perfection. He sighed that he might shun the air of a teacher, alleging his own doctrine and practice. He said. I never followed my own will, nor did I ever teach another what I had not first practiced myself. When he departed, his servants, who was coming back from the village, saw the angels carrying his soul to heaven, accompanied by the spirits of the saints. He then treated the body with honor and carried him to the village. Later, in 515, his body was taken to the desert Askeet. Saint John the Dwarf. Pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, "Teacher, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me." He replied to him, "Friend, who appointed me as your judge and arbiter?" Then he said to the crowd, "Take care to guard against all greed." For though one may be rich, one's life does not consist of possessions. Then he told them a parable. There was a rich man whose land produced a bountiful harvest. He asked himself, "What shall I do? For I do not have space to store my harvest." And he said, "This is what I shall do. I shall tear down my barns and build bigger ones. There I shall store all my grain and other goods. And I shall say to myself." Now, as for you, you have so many good things stored up for many years. Rest, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, "You fool! This night your life will be demanded of you. 
and the things you have prepared, to whom will they belong? Thus will it be for the one who stores up treasure for himself, but is not rich in what matters to God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I uh, really liked Haydock's commentary today, for a very specific reason, actually, and I'll tell you about that in the next segment. But Haydock said this, This man might think that Jesus, being the Messiah, would act like a king and a judge. Seeing in this the spirit of the world, at the very time Jesus is teaching disinterestedness, I can't speak today, but we move on, and the contempt of riches, and he is interrupted by a man who begs him to interfere in a temporal concern. Deaf to everything else this man can think of, his temporal interests only. He begged half an inheritance on earth, but the Lord offered him a whole one in heaven. He gave him more than he asked for, quoting there from St. Augustine. Hadock's commentary goes on to say, Our Savior does not here mean to say that he is, or his church, not uh, does not have the authority to judge. For he was appointed by his Father, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, and the judge of all. He only wished to keep himself as matter as a, as much detached as possible from worldly concerns. Number one, not to favor the opinion of carnal Jews who expected a powerful king for the Messiah. And number two, to show that the ecclesiastical ministry was entirely distinct from political government and that he and his ministers were sent not to take care of earthly kingdoms, but to seek after and prepare men for heavenly inheritance. Quoting there from St. Ambrose and Venerable Bede and others. Close quotes, uh, Haydock's commentary. You see, here's the kicker. The Lord knows our intentions. We can't hide from him. We, we, could, we could play, you know, a certain way. We can pretend, we can rationalize, we can convince ourselves in certain ways that we want the Lord to do certain things for us, to be on our side, you know. But the Lord knows our intentions. He knows our hearts. And he could read right through this man, knowing that his concern was of material interest only. Yes, we have to live in this world and we need material things, but we should be so detached from those material things when it comes to the salvation of our souls as to throw them away if they should impede that one and only goal of obtaining heaven. If they impede that, we should not have them. Get rid of them. Hey, we'll be right back. What's Concerning Us is coming up next. told that so long as sexual activity is performed between consenting adults, there's nothing morally wrong with what's done. Is this a reasonable way of morally evaluating sexual behavior? I don't think so, and here's why. First, such reasoning justifies disturbing acts like that of Ormond Mivis, who butchered and ate a willing victim that responded to an advertisement placed on the internet. I don't think we want to say consensual cannibalism is okay. Second, the assertion arbitrarily picks consent as the only aspect of nature's design for sex as having any moral significance. If we must reverence nature's design for consensual sex, then why is it okay to not reverence nature's design for procreation? If it's okay to reject one, well then it's okay to reject the other. So rather than reverencing consensual sex, this argument undermines it. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers. 
RomanCatholic.com. Men, it's time. Participate in the next National Men's March to abolish abortion and rally for personhood on Saturday, October 15th, 11.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. in Boston. There is a man connected to every abortion. Men are a big part of the problem, and it's time for all men to take responsibility and be a big part of the solution. All men of goodwill are invited to participate in the march, and everyone else is needed to show up for the rally beginning at 2 p.m. outside of the State House. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's good to be on with you. Praise be to God. A Father Frank Pavone from Priest for Life is going to be our guest at 35 past the hour. We're going to catch up with him, kind of get like a uh, post Roe v. Wade report card from him. But also we're going to be talking about the DOJ slash FBI arrests of pro-lifers when still to this date there are no arrests in the case of Jane's Revenge, more than a 100 attacks on pregnancy clinics and such. We'll get his opinion on that, which reminds me, tomorrow on the program, we are interviewing not one but two FBI whistleblowers. Both are Catholic, by the way. Uh, We're going to get them onto the program to talk about why did they become whistleblowers as federal agents, what they're concerned with, and what their opinion is of the what seems to be uh, an abuse of power, really, uh, going on in the DOJ and the FBI. All of that on tomorrow's program. Do please share us with a friend if you can. Uh, but there is, uh, I want to talk to you about what the saints have that you and I don't. Why are they so incredibly different than you or I? When I think about the saints, and right now I'm, I'm spending a lot of time thinking about the saints, actually, uh, because I'm preparing to give some talks this coming Friday at a parish in New Hampshire, in Hudson, New Hampshire, St. Catherine's there. I'll give uh, my testimony of conversion on Friday night. And on Saturday, I'm giving a three-part series called The Radical Choice. That's a talk I've given at uh, other parishes around the country. And I always talk about the saints and sinners. What makes them unique and interesting? What do they know that we don't know? And so I love to dive into the lives of saints. And, of course, I've been preparing myself to do exactly that. And uh, this over this weekend, I spent some time going through St. Teresa of Avila one more time, her interior castle, and she has so much to offer to us. And then, of course, this morning I saw uh, an article out of Catholic News Agency about uh, St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, because Saturday was St. Teresa's feast day, and Sunday was St. Margaret Mary's feast day. Now, St. Margaret Mary Alacoque had the vision of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and she was told to tell the king of France to enact, to uh, hold up, to ask every French citizen to uh, to have this devotion because it would save France from the French Revolution, which he didn't do, and neither did his son. And so we have the French Revolution to thank for so many problems and corruption and twistedness in the world today. So I was reflecting on these saints and how much they have to offer, and this, this patrimony, this gift, that should have been passed on and wasn't. Let me take you now to what happened to me on Friday. So on Friday, my wife asked me uh, to uh, go to a yard sale with her. There was someone in our neighborhood that was trying to sell off everything they had because they were moving. And my wife said, can you go with me? I'm like, I don't really want to go. Are you kidding? I was, I was reading. I was preparing for my talks, doing some homework, and I was comfortable in my comfortable chair, and I didn't want to get up. 
She's like, can you go with me? I'm like, I don't really want to go. But she's like, can you go with me? I'm like, fine, whatever. So I drive her there. And, and what was there that attracted my wife was there was these two statues. There was uh, a statue of Our Lady of Victory, and there was a statue of St. Anne. And they were antiques, and they were in rough sh- a little bit of rough, sh- rough shape, but she was interested in looking at them and buying them. And uh, so we get there, and she's looking at those and hemming and hawing whether or not she wants them. I think, this is great antiques. Buy them. What are you talking about? 15 bucks a piece. They're about 23 inches or so a piece. And they're antiques. They're, you know, get them. Let the, you know, let the uh, defects be a part of the character, I'd say. But while she was hemming and hawing, I decided to poke around. And I went into one of the back rooms because they use the entire house as like their yard sale thing. And I went into the back room, and there on the floor was this giant Bible, like this huge, massive thing. I mean, literally, this thing had to be, it's got to be... 15 pounds. I mean, it's heavy. It's huge. It's got to be six to eight inches thick. It's that big. Massive thing. Leather bound. And looks very old. So I pick it up, and I open it up, and uh, lo and behold, and Adrian, I'm sharing my desktop for those that are on the video feed so they can see the pictures... But lo and behold, it's a Douay Rames. And, uh, and I'm like, ooh. But it's not just any Douay Rames. It is a Haydock, Father Haydock version of the Douay Rames. This is a Father Haydock Bible printed in England in the 19th century. And my mind is like, blown. Now, it gets better. Because on the, on the uh, spine of this leather-bound uh, huge, huge mungus uh, Bible is in fact the names of Michael and Hannah Murphy, who were married in Ireland in 1853. And to me, that was very, very intriguing. Because when you open the Bible and you go through it, what you discover is Hannah and Michael uh, immigrated to the United States in the very same year that they were married in Ireland. They came to first New Bedford, Massachusetts, and then in 1861, they moved on to Joliet, Illinois, where I believe they had this Bible rebound and or purchased it as a wedding anniversary type of gift. I'm not so sure. But in there, they list their kids. They list their immigration status and the fact that one of their children died. Uh, Their son was 18 years old when he died in 1874. I don't know how or why. But the whole con, and then I, we sort of we went through like all the pages, and the artwork is exquisite. It's Haydock's commentary is amazing, uh, but inside there were papers. There was uh, ferns that were placed inside the pages. There was at least two ferns in there, and to me, it was, and our kids just were diving into this, and it was so fascinating to try to unravel the mystery of who Michael and Hannah were. Why do they have this Bible? And did they drag this Bible all all across the Atlantic Ocean in what would have been a stormy season? Because they they were married in in August and they came over the same year. So the seas probably weren't very calm for them. Uh, Or did they just buy this in Joliet? Because there is an intriguing uh, uh, typo on the spine. They misspelled the town in Ireland where they were married. It says Mickletown, but there's no town in Cork County named Mickletown. It is Mitchelltown, so it's a typo. And then I looked up a, a video on YouTube for the Haydock Commentary Bible and its origins, found a great video, and in about halfway through this video, the uh, the people who made the video in England, this is where it was all done in England, referenced an expert on Haydock Commentary Bibles. 
Haydock Bibles from the 19th century. The guy happened to be in my town here. He lives right in my backyard. And, and I, I look him up, and it turns out the guy runs in the same circles as I do. He's posting pictures of my parish for crying out loud. I'm like, my mind is blown. So I reach out to the guy to see if I can't connect with him. And lo and behold, I connect with him. And he tells me that this particular Bible, not mine, the one that I own now, but rather the the Haydock Commentary Bible has historical significance. And uh, And I'm just so intrigued by this. And the idea comes to me. I bought this thing for 20 bucks. It's worth a lot more, but I don't plan on selling it. But the idea that Michael and Hannah at some point lost this Bible, and that intrigues me. Why is that? Why would they get rid of this? Was it their choice? Was it their, you know, or maybe it wasn't their choice. Maybe they gave it to their kids and their kids got rid of it. Their kids, kids, kids. I have no idea. But I wonder if I can't discover their relatives today. And I wonder if I shouldn't give this Bible back to them because it's a patrimony. It's an inheritance. It's a, it's, it's a symbol to be sure, but it's about something greater. Are there descendants, faithful Catholics today, or have they lost the faith? And it reminded me of the saints and uh, St. Margaret Mary Alacoque and St. Teresa of Avila. St. Teresa born in 1515. She, she was uh, well-to-do. Her parents were Jewish converts under Isabel and Ferdinand. And uh, her mom died when she was young. And she, she struggled with that mightily. And uh, she became a nun. But she, at a time where there was great complacency and slothfulness. And in fact, she, because of her status and her wealth, had a pretty nice cell. And she could decorate it as she wanted. She had visitors come to her cell. Even male visitors come hang out with her, chat with her, whatever. And then she had this conversion-like experience, this mystical experience that changed her life forever. And frankly, changed religious communities for, a, you know, for, I don't know, the last 500 plus years. The Descalced Carmelites and the strict rule. And you, you might remember she wrote the interior castle and the seven castles of perfection and how you have to leave the moat on the outside with all of its snakes and wild creatures, which is mortal sin, and enter the castle, which is just the scratch on the surface where you're barely learning to pray, let alone having an actual relationship with the Lord. And as you grow more intense in relationship, and as you move further into the interior of the castle, you grow closer to Christ, and you abandon the world around you. And therein lies the trick. Going back to St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, her spiritual director, the one that actually believed her because her superior didn't, was St. Columbert, St. Jean Columbert, a Jesuit. And he wrote a book that I have read now many times, and I highly encourage you to read it too, called Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence. And therein lies the trick and what the saints know that you and I don't know. And that is to abandon this world, stop trying to be the friend of the world, stop trying to look like the world, stop trying to act like the world, stop trying to accept the ways of the world as though they are normal and okay. Abandon yourself to the trustful surrender of divine providence. Accept all that God has in store for you, good and bad, offering it all up for the glory of God, for the salvation of souls to include your own. And as you grow in that regard, you grow in greater relationship and unity with the Lord. 
And those souls, those very rare few souls that make it to the sixth castle, let alone the seventh castle, those souls are the ones that probably are going to skip purgatory and go straight to heaven. But also in the sixth castle, you imagine by the time you get there, you don't give, you don't care anything about what happens in the world. You are so abandoned to God's ways. You have experienced mystical uh experiences like uh, ecstasies or levitation. St. Teresa of Avila levitated a lot. I'm thinking of uh, St. Hinnipros, not St. Hinnipros, but St. Giuseppe of Cupertino levitated all the time. They had to hold him down with a rope for crying out. He'd float off. I mean, these are the saints. These are these rare souls that experience this. But guess what happened before they get to the seventh castle? The dark night of the soul. And they felt dry abandoned but guess what those souls that experienced that they also didn't go back to the ways of the world simply because they felt dryness therein lies the trick between the saints and you and me and uh, i think there's a lot to reflect on there um and i wonder about people like michael and hannah murphy from 1853 and what was to become of them and their children of chil- and their children's children? And I wonder if you and I are like the rich man in the parable today in the gospel and we build bigger barns and we store up the, the air quotes goods of this world. And yet, where our hearts lie, there lies our treasure. And where and what is the treasure of your heart and my heart? Let's ponder that today. Let us be more like the saints and abandon ourselves to God's trustful divine providence for our life and accept all that comes, no matter good or bad. I know I struggle with it. I bet you do too. Hey, we'll be right back. Father Provone is up next. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic view of marriage may be an ideal, but it cannot be a reality? Well, G.K. Chesterton says, It is an ideal in a diseased society. It is a reality in a healthy society. For where it is real, it makes society healthy. We know we cannot make a perfectly healthy society because while we believe in marriage and the church, we also believe in something called the fall of man, which also has an effect on society. But the point is that we believe not just in an ideal, but in something practical practical in the sense that we want to make something. We want to create Christian families as opposed to those who are always ready to destroy the family, who give up on the ideal and give in to whatever is easiest at the moment. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Hi, this is Pam Stenzel. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march, and then everyone else show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the need to value and protect every pre-born baby from fertilization. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired, and now more headlines. CNA reports German Cardinal Gerhard Müller visits home of Mark Hauck, target of an FBI raid. Müller then made a statement condemning the arrest of Hauck, 
whom he called a peaceful father defending his son, defending the right of life of babies, and compared the actions of the FBI to the Chinese Communist police. He said also, quote, How could it happen in a democratic state where natural law is the basis of the decisions of the American nation? Therefore, as a Catholic bishop and Roman Catholic cardinal, I condemn these actions against non-armed families, against children. It's threatening for children, terrorizing them, he said. Continuing, there is no reason and no justification for this brutal action against these peaceful families, unquote. Breitbart reports Iran's Islamic guards training Russian drone crews in Ukraine, according to reports. The Ukrainian government and its Western allies have alleged that Russia, now running low on missiles, has turned to Iranian-made Shahed-136 drones to supplement its arsenal, including during its recent wave of strikes on Ukraine's energy infrastructure in retaliation for damage to the Kirsch Bridge between Crimea and the Russian mainland. Moreover, it's now claimed that up to 50 specialists from the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps are in Crimea, overseeing and perhaps even personally controlling drone launches against Ukrainian targets. And the Daily Wire reports, no deadliest catch. A billion snow crabs vanish from Bering Sea, and no one knows why. The Alaska Department of Fish and Game canceled the winter snow crab season in the Bering Sea after determining that 90% of the population has disappeared in the last two years. While the news is bad for commercial fishermen and seafood lovers, experts now think it may bode a little bit worse for the ecosystem. The risks of harvesting snow crabs and the Alaska king crab from the tempestuous Bering Sea have been dramatized by the Discovery reality TV show Deadliest Catch, which has aired since 2005 and was narrated by Mike Rowe. It follows multiple commercial fishing crews as they struggle to haul in as many of the lucrative shellfish as they can. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. And uh, so this week, I just want to go over this week real quick with you. Uh, tomorrow I'll be on the show, but uh, we will have two, not one, but two FBI whistleblowers, both Catholics, by the way, on the program tomorrow. And uh, they'll be sharing their own stories of why they made the decision to to become whistleblowers. But we're also going to talk about... Uh, what they see as a real problem within their own own ranks. And uh, well, it'll be a very interesting conversation. Please do join us for that. And then I get on an airplane with my family, and we fly off to New Hampshire for the next two weeks. I would be grateful to you if you would keep us in your prayers, of course. I'll be giving, as I said earlier, two, uh, a talk Friday night at St. Catherine, and then I'll be giving three talks at St. Catherine on Saturday called The Radical Choice. And uh, very much in line with what I was just talking about a minute ago. So I'd be grateful that that goes really well, that everybody there uh, is impacted by those talks. It would be a wonderful thing if you'd pray for that. And then, uh, as I said, I'll be gone. So this week, later this week, we have uh, Jesus Robles, friend of the show, is going to be filling in uh, on uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Next week, our friend Brent Haynes is going to be filling in, of course, praise be to God. And then the week after, Mike Koeniger, our friend, from Virginia, he'll be filling in. So while I'm gone, you're going to get some great programming and a lot of uh, diverse conversations. So do share us with a friend and uh, join us if you can. But joining us right now via Zoom chat is Father Frank Provone from Priest for Life. Good morning to you, Father. Good morning. Great to be with you again. Yeah, praise be to God. Good to see you. Thank you for your time today. I was just sure. t telling everybody that tomorrow we actually have two FBI whistleblowers that are going to be on our program to talk about what we see as 
as an overreach and abuse within the DOJ and the FBI. I'd like to get your opinion on this. There's been well over a hundred attacks of uh, pro-life pregnancy centers, Catholic churches, organizations. And to date, as far as I know, there's been zero arrests, even though like Jane's Revenge is taking credit for some of this stuff. So it's like you don't even have to go that far to look for who's done this. But apparently that's uh, that's under investigation, but no arrest. But pro-lifers, on the other hand, are being visited at their front doors by men in tactical gear. What say you, Father Frank Pavone? Well, there's no doubt that this is an ideologically uh, driven um, FBI and DOJ. Uh, there's these and so many other instances, uh, examples. Um, but the, the, it's a problem of the, the administration. It, the entire federal administration now under the Democrat Party is like this. And they've told us. See, this was one of the things that, you know, back in, uh, uh, of course, this started happening long before the September 1st speech uh, that Biden gave. But we were sounding an alarm, you know, when he gave that speech, criticizing half the country. And it doesn't matter if, you know, if, if a believer is, uh, you know, listening to that speech and they say, oh, you know, he's criticizing uh, uh, former President Trump. He's criticizing the MAGA movement. He's criticizing the Republicans. Uh, oh, that doesn't involve me, a believer might say. Uh, but a lot of believers will say, hey, yeah, that he is talking about me. But those who believe in the values we hold, those who, who treasure the faith that we profess, need to understand, yeah, he's talking about you. And to talk about people like this um, in ways that, that he did, where he says it's a threat to the republic, uh, undermining democracy, well, you don't say those things about people from the highest levels of government and then expect that the highest levels of government are going to treat them equally and respect their rights. So that speech is very revealing, and, and we have to take a step back and see that it's 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 articulating the the driving philosophy. In fact, if you look at the uh, strategy memos and the and the party platform uh, documents of the Democrat Party, when you and I talk about religious freedom, and that includes the freedom to to protest abortion and to save the unborn, because we're doing it for religious reasons as well as for basic uh, 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 human reasons. Um, they see that as discrimination, and and the do and this is not something we're concluding. Their own documentation and strategy memos are saying this. Mm. So it's time really for the the church and believers and pro-lifers to realize we are are. It's no exaggeration to say we are in a, a stage here of persecution under the government of the United States of America, uh, and all these sad examples uh, are showing that. It definitely feels like lopsided justice. I mean, when we break the law, we, we can expect the outcome of that. It's, uh, it's a reasonable, logical progression. But when you see people breaking the law and there is no ramification, there is no consequence, nobody ever does anything, uh, it does seem incredibly lopsided. Now, in this case, you know some of these people personally. You, yes. you spent a lot of time with them. Tell us about them. Well, first of all, uh, of course, Mark Houck, the the, uh, the pro-life activist from Pennsylvania, Philadelphia area, a leader, he's involved in 40 Days for Life. In fact, I'll be talking to him later this morning and uh, did an interview recently with his attorney, Peter Breen. Uh, the man is simply a, a, a life-loving 
faithful husband and father. Um, Eva Edel, uh, who, who survived a, a concentration camp, I've been praying with her on the streets of America since the beginning of my Preach for Life work. Uh, we were together in so many places in front of abortion facilities where she talked about how, you know, her time in the, uh, in the concentration camp brought her to Jesus and brought her to an even deeper appreciation of the need to speak out for the, the vulnerable. She's a, a, a holy woman. Um, Cal's Astro is a, a firebrand and he goes across America and the word that comes out of his mouth most frequently is revival, revival. He preaches about spiritual revival. He's a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He reminds me of, uh, uh, St. Paul, you know, what he says in the Acts of the Apostles. It's interesting, isn't it? How we read these, these scripture passages, you know, with great reverence and devotion. Um, and, 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 and yet sometimes we don't, if we saw the behavior that those passages are describing, uh, sometimes we don't recognize it. Uh, and then there's, um, Oh, Chet Gallagher. The, the man was a, a law enforcement uh, officer. He, he he was asked one day to go arrest uh, pro-life Christians who were blockading an abortion mill. Wow. He was convicted in conscience. He was convicted in conscience when he saw them sitting there explaining why they were doing what they were doing. Mm-hmm. You know what he did? He turned around and sat down with them. Wow. And signed in the blockade. <laughs> wow. Chet Gallagher, again, I've known him for decades. The man is... A man of such faith. I mean, you take these four people, and it's like this is the fruit of exactly what the church is trying to foster when she gives us the examples of the saints, when she exhorts us in 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 the liturgy and and in the teachings of the of the church to give ourselves for Christ, to have zeal for the gospel. And, and let me just point point out one more thing. These people are being charged by the FBI with violations of the FACE, uh, well, with the exception of, of Mark, with the violations of the FACE law. Now, I remember in 1994 when President Bill Clinton signed this bill into law. And uh, by the way, I told Mother Teresa about it. I visited with her in Calcutta just a few months after Clinton signed this law. Now, this law would makes it a federal crime for people to peacefully, peacefully, intervene and blockade abortion facilities. And one of the things we said when that law was passed was, hey, wait a minute, this is overreach. There are already laws to deal with trespass, if that's what they're concerned about. And as far as any kind of intimidation or, or, or God forbid, violence, um, there are already laws to deal with that. Why are you singling out people who want to end abortion and, 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 and making this a, a, a federal crime? Uh, now, the Republicans amended the, the bill and made it include churches and pregnancy centers, interestingly enough. And then that just highlights the, the lopsidedness of this that you pointed out. Hold that thought, I, oh, hold that thought right there, Father. I'm sorry, but we're right out of a network break. Father Frank Pabone is our guest, Priest for Life. We're talking about uh, this FBI overreach and, and more right after this break. Hi, this is Father Stephen Imbarato. Join us in Boston for the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th. Men, we will gather outside the Planned Parenthood to begin the march, and then we're going to meet everyone else for a 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about constitutional personhood for the pre-born and where we need to go from here. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Again, details, themensmarch.com. Join us and spread the word. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed Mormon. She now wants to join his church. What's your answer? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a reason for no. Doctrinal positions such as the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. Your reason for yes. You deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no. But how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 A.D., 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Well, unfortunately, your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed in a church down the street. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Father Frank Pavone is our guest, Priest for Life. And we're talking about uh, this story about pro-lifers being arrested. Again, over 100 attacks on pro-life clinics, churches, organizations. No arrests to date so far. Father, uh, just before the break, you were talking about how you were sharing with uh, St. Teresa of Calcutta uh, the moment when this sort of became, this FACE Act thing became law, that's where you left off. Did you want to pick up there? It was in 1994, and I, so I described to her, you know, what this law w- w- did to peaceful pro-life uh, activists. Here's what she said to me, and here's her exact words. Father, if we had that law here in India, I would have been thrown in jail many times. Wow. Because I go to the places where the abortions are done, and I take the women by the arm, and I pull them away. And I imagine that that scenario. Mother Teresa was so short, uh, and she would go, and she would literally take these these young moms away. And she said, and and I would bring them to our sisters and say, you have hope for your life and your baby. So, I mean, she was just astonished that this would be happening. And I'd like to ask the, the FBI today, uh, would you be willing to arrest Mother Teresa? Uh, mm-hmm. Because that's what you'd have to do. Uh, if you're going to continue down this path. You know, Father, uh, I was uh, talking to our good friend, Attorney Brent Haynes, about uh, about the FACE Act violations. And I was, you know, it's this is just something that's been on my mind. It's driving me crazy. You know, how is it that these, these, these pro-life organizations are attacked, firebombed? I mean, these are some extreme examples, right? And uh, they're happening. And yet, it's almost nothing has happened. I asked Brent, and I said, you know, do these pregnancy centers, uh, are they protected by the FACE Act? And he was telling me that no, only the abortion centers uh, pretty much are the ones who are, are protected by the FACE Act violations. Uh, it's, it just seems really, really convenient, doesn't it? Uh, yes. Well, de facto, yeah, only the abortion facilities end up being protected. Um, uh, but, you know, if you, if, you, if you look at the FACE law, you know, it was expanded and uh, health care services, reproductive care services, the argument can be made that mm. uh, that violence against both churches and pregnancy centers should be uh, prosecuted under this this law. But we see the uh, again, the the lopsided unfair treatment. And you can see it from another perspective, too. When in the mid 90s, we had a couple of instances of the of abortionists being shot 
uh, happened in Florida, happened in Brookline, Massachusetts, and uh, upstate New York. Um, Bill Clinton, again, at that time, sent out federal marshals to the other abortion facilities as a precaution. It's like, oh, my goodness, what a difference between their reaction to protect uh, uh, these abortion centers when there was violence at one or another place and the utter lack of response and lack of similar protection being offered to these pregnancy centers under this administration. I am very intrigued, and I'm looking forward to our conversations tomorrow with these two whistleblowers out of the FBI, both Catholic, both are very concerned yeah. about the direction in which they're being used as as pawns. This has been something, because I know Mark, I've known Mark since 2007. He and I were, mm-hmm. were just together before he got arrested, actually. We spent the weekend uh, prior uh, to the Friday he got arrested. We were together in Arizona. And um, it, it, just, it always struck me. I serve in the Marine Corps. I know what it means to do one's duty, to follow orders. But it always seems strange that very highly educated uh, men and women who serve in our FBI... People who I imagine don't set out to uh, to have uh, these sort of political agenda biases simply go along with this and simply follow those rules. Yeah. Um, it always struck me as like, golly, you has not one person stood up and said, hey, uh, I think this is probably way too much. Maybe he'll just turn himself in. And then we learned that he offered to turn himself in three months before then, and they just simply decided to to knock and bang on his door instead. How do you see it from that perspective, Father Frank? You know, we do. We always are responsible for our actions. Even when we're under obedience, uh, we are responsible for deciding that we are going to follow a certain order, carry out a certain command, and we never are exempt from the duty to evaluate it in our own conscience before we take that step. So I I, uh, uh, agree completely with what you're saying. And here's the other thing people have to understand, including those that work in these agencies. What damage is this doing to the American public and our our ordinary, legitimate activities for, for law enforcement or for investigations? Because if this is happening now and more and more people are understanding now that this has become a pattern, that that law enforcement agencies and 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 other bureaus are being used uh, against us because of our beliefs, our religious views, our political views. Well then, well then, how does that inspire confidence in the American people when you know the FBI needs to ask people questions in the course of its legitimate business? People are not going to want to cooperate. Uh, and, and because now we're we're forced to, to be in a position where we've got to advise people, hey, listen, if the FBI comes knocking at your door, don't talk to them. And, and the reason we, we, we have to start advising people like that is, is you know, they, you don't have to answer any questions to, to any of these agencies about to justify your political, religious or pro-life beliefs. You don't have to do that because what, what's happening is if the people do do that, you know, because they want to be cooperative citizens they end up, that information ends up being used against them. So it's like this is undermining the confidence the American people should have in these institutions. They don't anymore, uh, and that makes it hard to do legitimate business. Mm. Let's talk about uh, post-Roe. Now that we're over 100 days since the Dobbs decision out of the Supreme Court, what is your report card for our country uh, now at this point of of the situation? Well, a a lot of protection of life is happening. We've got about 13 states now that are protecting the babies from 
the beginning of their lives. That's pretty awesome. Uh, you know, we were waiting for decades for, you know, what would be the first abortion-free state, and now all of a sudden we've got over a dozen of them. Uh, we got another uh, five states or so that are protecting babies from the time that the heartbeat is detected. And uh, you've got altogether about 30 states that have some kind of meaningful gestational limit to abortion. In other words, it's going to stop at this particular point in pregnancy. Of course, then you have a handful of other states that allow it all the way through. Uh, so we're making great, and, and, and the, the fruits are immediate and long-lasting for the, the lives that are actually being saved. Uh, at the same time, we have not yet even begun to appreciate what a great victory the Dobbs case is. Uh, and, and what I mean is the foundation has been taken out from under all the, the court decisions at every level of our court system uh, and all the laws, including the face law, by the way. The foundation has been taken away from these because in as much as they were passed and acted or decided based on Roe and Casey. Well, now Roe and Casey are bad law. They're gone. And uh, any challenge to these other court decisions, any challenge to these laws uh, is going to have much more probability of success uh, because, again, the basis is, is gone. So we're still in a little bit of a period of unrest mm -hmm. on both sides of the issue because our first duty here is to really deeply understand what the Dobbs case said. We have a resource on that, SupremeCourtVictory.com. I want to encourage folks to go there and read and watch the videos and learn because we can't plan our next steps of strategy unless we really deeply understand the change that the court has brought about. And it's a good one. I'm uh, there was some surprises, I would say, so far. Kansas. I I did not see. We're talking heartland country here. We're talking about, uh, you yeah. know, people call it flyover country. I call it the heart of our country. Kansas, uh, not trying to do away with abortion there. Did that surprise you? Well, not really, you know, because this is uh, this. These ballot initiatives are actually very hard to to win. Uh, because it's not, when you think about it, it's not the legislative process where people can, can, um, you really have substantial debate and witnesses and counter arguments and amendments and documents and, and the public can really be, uh, informed about what, uh, in all its detail, this particular legislative proposal means. When you have these ballot initiatives, you're talking about it, you got an artificial deadline. And just it's a popular vote of the people. So if you've got, you know, a very, very uh, left leaning population in one of the big cities that can drag the whole country with it. If you have money coming from the outside, which is what we always see, we see money coming from the outside, from the pro-abortion people to promote misleading slogans, false advertising. And that's how the, the other side often wins these amendments. So it shouldn't be too much of a cause for concern. Um, we're going to see a couple of these others on the ballot in uh, uh, November 8th. Uh, but really, like the Dobbs case said, it's the people and their elected representatives that need to hash out the abortion policy. And we're going to see we're going to make much more progress in the legislature's uh, mm -hmm. Than we will on some of these uh, these ballot initiatives. Were there any other surprises to you? I guess uh, the case in uh, Indiana—that's just a judge appointment holding everything back there. I, I mean, it's not yeah. like though the citizens are being are wanting abortion as much as just the judge appointed is blocking the law. 
Well, what people need to understand, the strategy of their side is, you know, let's hide behind the judges because then again, we don't have to deal with the legislative process that makes people really think about abortion and its effects. So they hide behind the judges. Now, they can't hide behind the Supreme Court anymore. So now they're trying to hide behind the state courts or the state constitutions. And uh, that's why we see some of these ballot measures. Um, it's not going to work ultimately. Uh, these judges, again, are relying on concepts that were put forth under Roe and Casey. For example, if you find, if you think you can find a right to abortion under the right to privacy, well, the arguments from Dobbs uh, should settle that issue. No other assertion of privacy that we all would acknowledge uh, involves the taking of another life. This was one of the key arguments the court made. Likewise, the history, if there's never been a constitutional right to abortion asserted in American history, well, that includes Kansas history, Michigan history, Indiana history. These judges are going to start to realize that they can't go down this path anymore. These arguments have been uh, refuted by the Supreme Court, and those Dobbs arguments are going to start to have an impact even in these lower courts. That's why I say it's still a period where we're unsettled. They're acting according to a pattern they've been trained to act in for 50 years. Um, the judges eventually are going to learn how to apply Dobbs, because remember now Dobbs is precedent. And they need to respect and uh, and apply it. You got about 15 seconds, but do you think Congress will pass a pro-abortion legislation? Uh, no, I don't think they'll try. The Democrats will try, and they've tried for 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 decades to make a federal law that erases all limits on abortion. It's not going to succeed because uh, the American people want more restrictions on abortion, not less. All right, praise be to God, Father Frank Pavone, Priest for Life, PriestForLife.org. Check them out online. God bless you, Father. Thank you for your time today. We're always grateful to have you. Thank you. All right. That's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. If you can join us in the second hour, we would love to have you. Tito Edwards from BigPulpit.com is going to be on. And then, of course, we have our game show, Fear and Trembling, plus an after show, and so much more is coming your way. Do join us online if you can. G- uh, GRNonline.com forward slash CDT. God bless you. God bless Hi, this is Sister Dee Byrne. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march. Everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the urgent need to be actively pro-life and pro-eternal life. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and please spread the word. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Can you really say you know what praying the rosary is all about? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, listen to the who's who of the rosary. We have the Blessed Trinity. We have the Angel Gabriel. We have the Virgin Mary. We have John the Baptist. And we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of sacred ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family. And thirdly, the rosary dynamics. Here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary. You first invoke the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. Then, onto praying the Apostles' Creed. Then you will pray in Our Father. Then you will recite the angel Gabriel's words to Mary. Then you'll recite what Mary said to Elizabeth. And then you will relive John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Then you will ask for Mary's assistance in your life. And I'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry. 
Hi, this is Carrie Beatley. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 1130 for the march. And everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about how America's abortion king pushed the lie of abortion on the American people. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash. Hi, I'm Megan. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Father Frank Pavone. Good conversation. Class act. Make sure to check out the podcast feed. Or at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. If you missed our conversation with Father Frank, uh, that'll be available to you in about an hour from now on the website. And then, of course, it means it's also available on the iTunes Store, on the Google Play Store, on Spotify as well, as well as our mobile app, which you can download free right now from your iOS or Android app store. Look for the Guadalupe Radio Network, where you can listen to the CDT podcast feed in the flyout, as they say. I mean, I bet uh, I bet they don't have to explain what that means to like you, Rudy, or Adrian, because you guys are youngins. <laughs> But anybody of my vintage or older, it's the three hash bar thingies up to the left. It's either to the left or it's to the right. If you click, if you thumb that, finger that thing, it's like a fly out that jumps. Whack! It just jumps out at you. And it has a bunch of other information. We just call those uh, the bars. The bars? Click on the little bars there. Do you say that? (laughs) You say, is that what the youngins say? I've never heard a fly out before. The fly out. (laughs) It's the, uh, it's the bars. What are we talking about? AOL time? Like, uh, <laughs> You've got mail. Floppy disk. Man, I put once put uh, back in the uh, in the good old days when I worked in secular radio. I this was 1996, <sighs> and I thought to I was myself, "Hoping you would say 97. That's the best year." <clears throat> and I thought to myself, "What if?" Because I was paying. I through. I was like broke. I had no money, and I had to buy like all these cassette tapes to make demo Oof. tapes, demo reels to send out to potential radio stations to try to get a job. Did you splurge for like the uh, the really top end? Like, <laughs> yeah, they had a guy, and he's like, "Oh yeah, just go to this guy over here. He'll take good care of you." And they like, right. you know, and I was broke. It was so <laughs> it was broke as a joke. But I thought to myself, why don't I just put the demo reel on a disc? And send it to them this way. Why burn all these cassette tapes when I could just put 1.4 megs is all we could get on that disc. Really? 1.4 megs? Yeah. 1.4 megabytes. That's nothing. Yeah. (laughs) That's like a a Word document. I used to have to carry the container of all my my air quotes floppy. They were actually not floppy. They were hard. The older ones (laughs) were the floppy ones. But the hard disks, I had to carry like the, the container. It was... It was bulky and annoying. So, anyway. All that to say, go to the flyout of the GRM <laughs> mobile app. And you can listen to your Catholic Drive Times podcast uh, digitally 
and clear as crystal 24-7, as well as the live local GRN radio station, all of that available in your app store. Search for the Guadalupe Radio Network. Praise be to God. <laughs> yeah, Mick, Mick Stapes, back in the good old days. I may still have a demo tape. Uh, speaking of which, before we jump over to Tito Edwards, I, you know, uh, because I'm preparing to give these talks this Friday in New Hampshire, I hate listening to my old talks. I mean, I loathe, <laughs> I loathe listening to myself. Why? Uh, it is. It makes my skin crawl to have to st- listen to me. Uh, it is really, really annoying. But nonetheless, I had to do it to prepare, and and uh, I wanted to share with you today that I read 15 years ago. Adrian, how old were you 15 years ago? Uh, eight. You, when you were eight For years real? old. When you were Dang. eight years old and you were watching Power Rangers, I was recording and narrating Ignatius of Antioch's seven epistles while he was on his way to be eaten by lions in the Roman Colosseum. First century, early second century. I narrated them 15 years ago. I'm putting them in the com, com box of all of our live video feeds today and our Telegram group if you would like to go and listen to that. But I warn you, I've listened to them. They're horrible. Uh, it's true. I'm going to analyze how much your voice has changed. It is 15 horrendous, years. Horrendous. But uh, at, at any rate, let's speak of better things here. Good morning to you, Tito Edwards, BigPulpit.com. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Rudy. Good morning, Adrian. Praise be to God. How was your surgery, sir? It went fantastic. Yeah. It was uh, flawless. Swelling is minimum. And uh, I still have to wear a sling. For uh, till the end of the month. Thank you for asking. Now, this is all in anticipation of trying to make next year's spring uh, spring training season for the Astros. I understand you're going to be in the uh, you're going to be in the bullpen, maybe the the, the lineup there. Or, uh, what's the future like? Yes, I, I intend to identify as their uh, lead pitcher in the bullpen <laughs> next year. <laughs> you just go to the bank and say, "Hey, I identify as being a multi-million-dollar uh, pitcher for the Astros. Can you include that in my bank account?" That and a nickel will probably get you nowhere. But uh, what is pretty impressive is maybe not your baseball career, but uh, this Monday morning issue at BigPulpit.com. I mean, good grief! There's like seven thousand links there today. Uh, is there that much going on? There is so much going on. Things things in the Catholic blogosphere or the Catholic Internet has changed since 10 years ago and, and, and even before then. So there's just so much great information out there to be a Catholic. The Catholic Internet is its own biosphere. It's, it's just incredible the amount of information and news that you can find out there. And uh, it's gotten to the point where... Uh, I just got. I I just have to start weeding out. I'm just going to be. I'm trying to just link to just news links and 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 eliminate podcasts and YouTube and Rumble videos. It's just an almost an overwhelming amount of information. It is, but I like the way you categorize things so that we can uh, narrow that down even quicker to what we're looking for and what's in, of of interest to us. And there's all kinds of categories, so I encourage everybody to check it out, bigpulpit.com. But there were two stories that stood out to me from a Catholic perspective. One is uh, Pope Francis announced over the weekend that he's extending the Synod on Bishops to 2024. I was actually hoping that he would just uh, be done with it all, but uh, we're actually going to have a whole other year of all of this. What's going on? Yes, they're extending it for one more year to, to, so we can better uh, percolate uh, the information out is just, I, I feel synodalized. 
uh, <laughs> that, that announcement. But uh, what I what I read behind the scenes is they're they're disappointed in the lack of participation and are trying mm-hmm. to encourage more of the laity to get involved. Uh, but but it's just a. In, in my opinion, as an analyst, this this is unneeded, and uh, we need to get this done and over with. Yeah, they had like less than 5% participation around the world, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I, I think I read that as I was trying to read my, the 7,000 articles. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think they're successfully uh, propagandizing the, the 1% of the participants in pushing uh, dead agenda items from the 1960s and 70s. Tito, is uh, my question of this whole thing, when I heard about them extending it, my immediate reaction was, oh, should I be happy about this? <laughs> because that means it's another year when we don't have to uh, get the results from it. Or should we be uh, de- more depressed about it and be like, oh, great. Now we don't get this over with. Now I got to wait another year before we get the bad news. Uh, what's kind of what's your kind of uh, reaction to this? I'm I'm the rip the bandaid off the wound kind of guy, so I, I don't like it at all. It's just going to be another year of of misinformation and and uh, trying to bring out the felt banners mm. and the liturgical dancers for one more trip. So it's just it's unneeded. I, with in this day and age of instant communication. I, I understand small group information is great and all, but um, I, th- I think they're not happy with the results, the enthusiasm behind the scenes, and they're going to give it one more year to try and kick that dead horse and see if it'll come back to life. And, and uh, we just need to grin and bear it. As Catholics, we need to be, you know, show a happy face and and be charitable and continue to analyze and uh, deconstruct all the misinformation that's coming out there so far. Will the so hmm, the extension part of this is this is does this mean there's going to be a session later or there's going to be a session this year, uh, next year, and then 2024 in Rome in the Vatican, or are we talking about extending synods locally in various dioceses around the country and? you know, conferences of bishops in various countries. That's the thing with the article. Uh, uh, that's the same question I had after reading that. It just seems like they've just delayed the the final synod where they uh, summarize all the information from all the dioceses to the continents and then put it in one document. They've just extended it one year to give the national organization more time. I don't think there'll be more time on the local level for us to participate. That's what I'm reading. Uh, I'm reading into the article and Pope Francis's declaration. I, I may have misread that, but I just don't mm-hmm. see any more uh, more local participation, more synods coming around. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's switch to another story that made a, t- a national attention in secular outlets, in fact, and that is Father Fleger, a notorious priest in the Archdiocese of Chicago, um, has been suspended by Cardinal Supich. What's the story there? There, there have been allegations from 40 years ago of a man uh, claiming to have been 
uh, sexually assaulted in the rectory, I believe, or or uh, in the sacristy. I'm not. I, I, I forgive me for for that part. And he has come out and. Uh, made these accusations to Father Michael Flager. We have to remember also uh, similar accusations were thrown against him. Cardinal Supic suspended him. They investigated it, and they found no grounds for any proof of the, of the previous allegations. So we're going to see what happens with this. Uh, Father Michael Flager should be considered innocent until proven in, uh, guilty, if he is guilty. Um, but just... From previous, from all this, the sad sex scandals we've been following through the years, when a second and a third and a fourth come keep popping up, that's not a good sign. Mm. Uh, but hopefully they're untrue, and it's just a, a, a misguided uh, parishioner who who's accusing uh, Father Michael Flager. On the other hand. Uh, we need to take the allegations seriously and just wait and see what the archdiocese will uncover. But yeah, in su- in summary, it's it's ad- accusations from forty year, uh, forty years ago of uh, alleged sexual contact by F- Father Michael Flager to this uh, young adult. Now he just went through another accusation just not even a year ago, and he was exonerated, so to speak. And I don't was he. I can't remember. Maybe you can, or I don't know if you can or can't, but I don't think he was suspended the last time, was he? Is that new? I think he was. No, he. I, I think he was suspended. I remember oh, okay. him uh, at least and then reinstated. at the minimum. He was removed from the parish. I see. But then he was reinstated by Cardinal Supic. So this could be exactly like that time. Yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and find yes. out. Yes. Now, let me ask you this question. So out of all of these stories that you're posting today over at BigPulpit.com, what is your favorite? What did, did anything stand out to you in the lineup of stories today? Yeah, well, uh, not to my surprise, but I, I guess I'm a little surprised because this is the big, this is a big click uh, pop, it was really popular back in the, in the burgeoning Catholic blogosphere of 10 years ago is people reporting liturgical abuses and above and beyond any other news story. David L. Gray's investigation of a parish in Santa Monica, California of a mass Catholic mass nightmare. That is double the amount of visitors of any other news link on my website. So it's, it's rather interesting that uh after 10 more years of uh trying to get Vatican II right and implementing the directives from the documents mm-hmm. we're still seeing this in 2022 out in California where we have children in tie-dye t-shirts standing around the altar the sacred space of of the of, yeah. a, of a parish That's priest so, so gross my goodness yeah please let's pray for <laughs> For our church. Let's pray for everybody involved. But uh, BigPulpit.com has all the stories for you. You should check them out online, BigPulpit.com. And uh, it's a great way to sort of get a summary of everything going on in the Catholic world and uh, find those links that you're looking for and be able to read them very quickly. Again, BigPulpit.com. Tito Edwards, thank you for being on with us. We look forward to seeing you next week. Same here. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. All right. Praise be to God. Enough of uh, of the difficulties. Let's have some fun. What do you say? You might learn something. You can have a laugh, and you could win prizes. 
but you need to call right now at 877-757-9424. Call right now, 877-757-9424. Phone lines are open to you. First caller gets to play at 877-757-9424. The Bible clearly says that Jesus had brothers and sisters, but the Catholic Church teaches that Mary was a perpetual virgin. How can that be? Mark 6 verse 3 says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? Point number one to consider. There is no word for cousin or for nephew or for niece, aunt, uncle in ancient Hebrew or Aramaic. The words that the Jews used in all those instances were brother or sister. An example of this can be seen in Genesis 14, 14, where Lot, who was Abraham's nephew, is called his brother. Another point to consider, would the last thing that Jesus did on earth be to grievously offend his surviving brothers? Right before Jesus dies, John 19 tells us that Jesus entrusted the care of his mother to the apostle John. If Mary had any other sons, this would have been an incredible slap in the face to them that the apostle John was entrusted with the care of their mother. Also, we see from Matthew 27, 55, and 56 that the James and Josephs mentioned in Mark 6 as the brothers of Jesus are actually the sons of another Mary. And one other passage to consider, Acts 1 verses 14 to 15 speaks of a company of about 120 persons that consist of the apostles, the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Let's see. There were 11 apostles at the time. Jesus' mother makes 12. The women, probably the same three women mentioned at the crucifixion in Matthew 27, but let's say it was maybe a dozen or two, just for argument's sake. That puts us up to 30 or 40 or so. So that leaves the number of Jesus' brothers at about 80 or 90, according to this scripture passage. Do you think Mary had 80 or 90 children? She would have been in perpetual labor. No, Scripture does not contradict the teaching of the Catholic Church about the brothers of Jesus when Scripture is interpreted in proper context. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Tremble Call. And that phone number is wide open to you right now. If you've never played before, well, let me try to convince you that this is a good opportunity. First caller gets to play the game at 877-7-Speedy-God. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh. We like to have a chuckle, especially after all the news we have to cover. So it's always a good time, and our callers laugh with us, and we enjoy that most, I'd say. But then we give out prizes, which means... It's a winner for everybody involved, really. You can't lose in this deal. You could learn, you could laugh, and you could win. It's just an amazing deal, but you have to call now, 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. First caller gets to play the game at 877-757-9424. But here's the kicker. Out of the three Catholic trivia questions I have in front of me, I will not be asking the callers the questions. They don't need to know. They may not know a single one and could still win the game. 
because instead of asking them, I will ask Rudy and Adrian. One of them will have a correct answer. The other will not. The caller will then have 15 seconds to make a decision. Whom do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And then every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. But we need the caller to play the game. So if you would like to play, have a laugh and learn something, well, call right now because you may win. 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877-757-9424. Rudy, what could they win? The gift this week. I'm holding it in my hand. Mm. Hewn from Hewn. the most wonderful marble really that earth can provide what italian italian i don't know i i don't know if it's actual croatian but to Mm -hmm. follow the the week or the the week following last week to continue Mm -hmm. the theme Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. october is the month of the most holy rosary what and the luan family gave us two rosaries to give away so if you missed your chance last week to get a rosary made by the luan family you have another chance this time. Now, instead of turquoise, we have what appears to be marble with a beautiful Our Lady of Mount Carmel centerpiece and mm-hmm. the really great corpus that was featured last week. So the caller this week, or rather the person this week, is going to win this wow. when we draw on Friday. Wow. I thought you were going to say hewn from acacia wood overlaid with gold, oh. just like the Ark of the Covenant. Is it acacia wood? Yeah, yeah. Huh. Oh, yeah. Only the finest. Fascinating. Praise be to God. But you're saying that's marble. It's marble. From Croatia or Italy? No. Where is that? It's like the finest. I don't know thing? if it's actual marble. It's marble-like. <laughs> marble-like consistency. Uh, <laughs> it's got marbling on it. Does it feel good in the hand? Does it like feel good in the hand? I got to tell you. Yeah. The mm-hmm. weight of all your mm-hmm. prayers is in here. The, wow. It's just like, woo. It's dense. Praise be to God. All right, let's go to the phones. Jose, good morning to you. Hey, good morning. Praise be to God, Jose. Where are you calling from? Houston. Houston, Texas. Are you an Astros fan, Jose? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, we could all say we're trying to. Some of us are better fans than others, to be sure. But where do you go to church, Jose? Um, Old Lady of Wildingham. Ooh, very, very nice. Spring Branch. Yes, know it well. I was over there not that long ago. They're building again. Like every time I go there, there's a new building on the property. So. Yeah, they, they are having a lot of construction going on. Yeah, praise be to God. Well, Jose, we're grateful for your time today. Thank you for being on our show. Uh, do you understand how this game works, sir? I think so, yes. All right, well, we're going to get started. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. You are our tradition-approved uh, first player today. Very good. Yeah, Very we good. have a, nice. we, we we appealed to the Vatican and they the holy, renewed the contract and the Holy Office. That's and, true. And they said, "Yeah, why not? You can go with Rudy. It's fine. Cool. We're like fantastic. Couple more guy. years. They said, but watch out for the ties. That's all they said. Uh, they didn't even explain it. They're just like, watch out for the ties. They didn't mention anything about the Pentecost tie. And you are wearing a tie today. Uh, so the Pentecost fire, baby. Look at that. Correlate that information as you see fit, Jose. But uh, Rudy, are you ready? I am ready. Are you sure? Yeah. Let's start with an easy one. Okay. Okay. Who is the patron saint of South America? That's uh, kind of a tricky question. Is huh? it? Because you, you wonder, is the Blessed Mother a saint? Well, yes, she is. She mm-hmm. is Our Lady of Guadalupe. Oh, that's who the patron is. That's the patron. Or patroness. in her case, patroness. So Our Lady of Guadalupe would be your answer. Mm-hmm. All right. 
Let's just Some see. would say Guadalupe. Others Some would. would say Guadalupe. Well, what should I say? I don't know. Okay. It's <laughs> about the same. Thanks right? for being helpful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see what uh, Adrian has to say. Adrian, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Praise be to God. You're always wearing a tie, so it's hard to correlate that information. It's but, true. Uh, it's maybe true. we should track the patterns. Oh, uh, that well. That could be one way. Good luck. Yeah, exactly. But in the meantime, could you tell me who is the patron saint of South America? The patron saint of South America? Well, now it's uh, a very, very astute person. Oh, really? Yes, that would be Oscar Ooh. Romero. What? Mm-hmm. Mind blown. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Saint Oscar Romero is what you're saying. I'm saying Oscar Romero. I'm sorry, what? Can you, I'm sorry, did you say St. Oscar Romero? I said Oscar Romero. St. Mm-hmm. Oscar Romero it is. Okay. All right. Uh, hey, Jose in Houston, Texas. You got options. Adrian is over here saying it's uh, St. Oscar Romero, whereas Rudy says it's Our Lady of Guadalupe. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is the patroness or patron of South America? Jose, what say you? Um, I would say Lady of Guadalupe. You're going, you're just going to go with Rudy. Just like that. <laughs> Duh, Oscar Romero. Duh. <laughs> it started off easy for him. Yeah, congratulations. Now it's really hard. It <laughs> is, in fact, Our Lady of Guadalupe. Well done. You're in the cup. You might win. Let's go with a hard one, though. I agree. This is hard. Probably the hardest, at least for today. Maybe since Friday of last week as well. But let's just go with Adrian first, who is literally an expert in all things color mm-hmm. and fashion. Right. Um... Adrian, can you tell me? Yes. What color is the beretta that a bishop wears? Well, as someone who identifies as having a PhD in color science, mm-hmm. one I might call it Ooh. colorology, Wow. Uh, that would be purple. And yes, a PhD in colorology means they know everything about anything that has to do with colors. Mm-hmm. And you're a fashionista, too, so it makes sense. So you're on the board for purple. All right. Let's purple. see what Rudy says. Rudy? Uh, can you tell me what color is the beretta that a bishop wears? Yes, they're issued they're issued to them from Italy. They're made specifically really? for each different bishop and wow. model. And uh, they're gunmetal. You know, it's they're pretty pretty straightforward, gunmetal. Gun metal? Yep. It's it's like, like it's like a bluish tint, I think. Uh, so you could blue it, I suppose, you could but blue it's it? it's gunmetal, yeah. It's gunmetal. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Fascinating. All right, Jose in Houston, you've got options. We're talking about the color that the Beretta of a bishop and what he wears there. Is it gunmetal, as Rudy wants us to believe, or is it purple, as the fashionista over here, Adrian Fonseca, says? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who is wrong? Jose, what say you, sir? Uh, I want, uh... I'll say the purple one. Say that one more the time. Purple one, he says. The, the purple one. I, I say the purple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jay! Are you a poker player, sir? He because got the hardest one. That was brilliant. Notice he didn't say Adrian is right. See, mm. he was still correct and trying to admit it without having to admit it. That mm. is master level mm. stuff. Write Jose, Jose's down for the, like the best of the best uh, playoff tournament that we're going to do eventually. Okay. Were we talking about hats or guns? Uh, I forgive him. Hats. We're talking about hats. Oh, uh, you thought uh, we were talking Beretta. about the, oh, the bishop's gun? The bishop's gun made no. by Beretta. No. Oh, All got right. it. You're Never in mind. for two. Purple is the correct color of the bishop's Beretta. But let's see if we can't go get you in there three times. Back to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me? 
The charges that were formally made for the use of certain seats in a church were called what? They're called pew rents. What? Pew rents. Pew rents. That's right. Like we had to pay for that? Or? <laughs> it, it means uh, don't sit here. <laughs> like, okay. All this right. is reserved for mm-hmm. the choir. Uh, let's see what Adrian says. Adrian, um, I'm sure you always sit in the very same seat every single Mass. Could you tell me the charges that were formally made for the use of certain seats in a church were called what? Those are called indulgences. What? Mm-hmm. Really? Are you being serious? I'm being serious. Indulgences? Indulgences. Were they indulgent? Like they had uh, hmm. comfy seats? No. 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 Um, all right. Well, here you go, Jose. You got options. These charges for uh, sitting in a seat in a church, were they called indulgences, as Adrian said, or pew rents, as Rudy suggests? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Jose at Our Lady of Walsingham, what say you? Jose? Uh, yeah, I would say the, the first option. Pew rents? Is that your answer? Yeah. Yeah. Unplayed. I'm not playing poker with you, Jose. Uh, you, you, you play a mean game there, good sir. Perfect score. You're in for three. You could win. Congratulations. Thanks for having a good time with us today. We're very grateful to you. Oh, Jose, call back. You, you left too soon, Jose. Call back. Oh, we need to get your information, so call us back, 877-757-9424. Hey, that's going to do it for the first hour and the second hour. Now we go into the after show. Join us at grnonline.com. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Ignatius of Antioch. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Faith of our fathers living still In spite of dungeon, fire, and sword Oh, how our hearts beat high with joy Whene'er we hear that glorious word Faith of our fathers Holy faith, we will be true to thee till death. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. 
I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Almighty ever-living God, who adorn the sacred body of your church with the confession of holy martyrs, grant, we pray, that just as the glorious passion of St. Ignatius of Antioch, which we celebrate today, brought him eternal splendor, so it may be for us an unending protection. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. Brothers and sisters, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you once lived following the age of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the desires of our flesh, following the wishes of the flesh and the impulses, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of the great love he had for us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, brought us to life with Christ. By grace you have been saved, raised, up, raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from you, it is a gift of God, it is not from works, so no one may boast. For we are his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that God has prepared in advance that we should live in them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord made us, we belong to him. The Lord made us, we belong to him. Sing joyfully to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful song. The Lord made us, we belong to him. Know that the Lord is God. He made us, his we are, his people, the flock he tends. The Lord made us, we belong to him. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. The Lord made us, we belong to him. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for he is good. The Lord whose kindness endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. The Lord made us, we belong to him.
Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. He replied to him, Friend, who appointed me as your judge and arbitrator? Then he said to the crowd, Take care to guard against all greed. For though one, be, one may be rich, one's life does not consist of possessions. Then he told them a parable. There was a rich man whose land produced a bountiful harvest. He asked himself, what shall I do? For I do not have space to store my harvest. And he said, this is what I shall do. I shall tear down my barns and build larger ones. There I shall store all my grain and other goods and I shall say to myself, now as for you, you have so many good things stored up for many years. Rest, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this night your life will be demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, to whom will they belong? Thus will it be for the one who stores up treasure for himself, but is not rich in what matters to God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. What does it mean to be rich in what matters to God? St. Paul gives us a clue. I think in that first reading he says, God is rich in mercy. And mercy, because we know from God, is something that is poured out, is given to us. The difficulty we have today is... Uh, we often think, you know, that we song we store up for ourselves something after when we sort of retire. This is what the parable that Jesus gives, you know, to, to store up a retirement to say, okay, now once I've done working, then I can live sort of nice, I can travel, I can do all kinds of things. We actually consider this to be almost virtuous, and in fact, the opposite would be something we would even consider socially irresponsible. But the fact is, is we don't even know if we're going to be here tomorrow. We don't know if the world's going to be here be here tomorrow different kind of threats in the world today, who knows? Maybe a meteorite will strike the Earth <laughs> and it'll, it will end and the second coming will, will begin. We just don't know. So the Lord reminds us is if we start to try to store up things here, then we, we have many possessions, but we are not rich in what matters to God. To be rich in what matters to God really is this. We kind of, we can commend ourselves today by saying, you know, less is more. <laughs> And, uh, but we don't know quite always live that way. But nonetheless, God is a God who is completely giving. He completely gives himself. And this he does in the Trinity, the Father completely giving himself to the Son, who can then completely gives himself back to the Father, and the Holy Spirit giving him, you know, this is that giving itself. There's this dynamic. And that it, we are supposed to live the same dynamic in our own lives. See, the thing is that we could be like materially poor, uh, but that doesn't mean we are rich in what matters to God. We might be materially poor, 
We might not have things, but we might be just simply for ourselves. And what matters to God is that we, you know, we may not have things, but that we are being for others. That's the key, at least in the Christian life. So a life poured out in loving service to God and to our neighbor, that is what it means to be rich and what matters to God. St. Ignatius of, of Antioch, when we celebrate today, one of the great fathers of the church who died in 107 AD, it is said that he was a disciple of John, the, the Apostle St. John, and he followed in the footsteps of St. Peter, being the second bishop of Antioch. But the way that he lived his life, especially to the end, is so commendatory to us. He saw really himself as wanting to be like, like the Eucharist, this hymn of praise of thanksgiving by giving his life to God. In fact, he said, I want to be ground up like wheat by the beasts so that I can become God's pure bread. Imagine if our celebration of the Eucharist would be, would be the same for us, a life really completely poured out for God. So the difference or an image that we could, uh, we could give is the, the differences of us being an, a reservoir of God's grace or but what we need to really become is an aqueduct. An aqueduct which flows out God's grace that is poured out for that is given to our hearts but it's poured out in love of service of God and others. So we come in a way before God with empty hands so that he can fill us with his goodness. And then, like as St. Teresa of Assur understood, I'm going to give those graces out. I'm going to pour those graces out that God has given to me to others so that he could fill me again, again anew. That's the dynamic that we are to live in our life. That is what it means to be rich and what matters to God. May St. Ignatius of Antioch help us, assist us, intercede for us to help us to be that aqueduct for God's grace, but then to pour out our life like the Eucharist in thanksgiving, our life being a hymn of praise to the most holy trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's bring our prayers and petitions now before our Heavenly Father. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, for his needs and intentions. We pray in this time for a revival of, of our love and adoration for the Most Holy Eucharist. May we, like St. Ignatius, become that pure bed, bread for Christ, we pray to the Lord. Let's pray for all who govern us, that maybe you can see, be concerned not only for the needs of their own nations, but for all peoples, especially the most vulnerable, May they always respect life from conception to natural death. We pray to the Lord. Always mindful of those who are sick and suffering, that they may unite their sufferings to those of Christ. We pray to the Lord. Let's pray for all those who are far away from the church, uh, those who have not known Christ. Uh, may he draw them with his cords and of love and mercy, for he's rich in mercy. We pray to the Lord. We pray for those who have died, for the holy souls in purgatory, that they may rest in peace. Pray, too, for the intentions we hold in our hearts, for those, the intentions of those who are joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio Media. We pray to the Lord. Lord Father, you are rich in mercy. Hear the prayers we bring before you this day and answer them according to your holy will through Christ our Lord. Amen.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you. Fruit of the earth, the work of human hands, it will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you. Fruit of the vine, the work of human hands, will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. Pray, dear beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands. Praise and glory of this name. Good and good of all his holy church. May this oblation and our homage be pleasing to you, O Lord, just as you accepted St. Ignatius, the wheat of Christ, made pure bread through his martyrdom and passion, through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for the blood of your blessed martyr Ignatius poured out like Christ to glorify your name, shows forth your marvelous works, by which in our weakness you perfect your power, and on the feeble bestow strength to bear you witness through Christ our Lord. And so with the powers of heaven, we worship you constantly on earth, and before your majesty without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Pleni sunt celi et terra, Gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. To you, therefore, most merciful Father, we make humble prayer and petition through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, that you accept and bless these gifts, these offerings, these holy and unblemished sacrifices, which we offer you firstly for your holy Catholic Church. Be pleased to grant her peace, to guard, unite, and govern her throughout the whole world, together with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all those who, holding to the truth, hand on the Catholic and apostolic faith. Remember, Lord, your servants. all gathered here whose faith and devotion are known to you. For them we offer you this sacrifice of praise, or they offer it for themselves and all who are dear to them, for the redemption of their souls in hope of health and well-being, and paying their homage to you, the eternal God, living and true. In communion with those whose memory we venerate, especially the glorious ever-Virgin Mary, Mother of our God and Lord, Jesus Christ, and blessed Joseph, her spouse, your blessed apostles and martyrs, Peter and Paul, Andrew, James, John, Thomas, James, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Simon, and Jude, Linus, Cletus, Clement, Sixtus, Cornelius, Cyprian, Lawrence, Chrysogonus, 
John and Paul, Cosmos and Damien, and all your saints, we ask that through their merits and prayers and all things we may be defended by your protecting help. Therefore, Lord, we pray, graciously accept this oblation of our service, that of your whole family. Order our days in your peace, and command that we be delivered from eternal damnation and counted among the flock of those you have chosen. Be pleased, O God, we pray, to bless, acknowledge, and approve this offering in every respect. Make it spiritual and acceptable, so that it may become for us the body and blood of your most beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. On the day before he was to suffer, he took bread in his holy and venerable hands, with eyes raised to heaven to you, O God, his almighty Father, giving you thanks. He said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took this precious chalice in his holy and venerable hands, and once more giving you thanks, he said the blessing and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. Mysterium fidei, mortem tuam, annunciamus Domine, et tuam resurrectionem confitemur, donec venias. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the blessed Passion, the resurrection from the dead, and the glorious ascension into heaven of Christ, your Son, our Lord, we, your servants and your holy people, offer to your glorious majesty from the gifts that you have given us, this pure victim, this holy victim, this spotless victim, the holy bread of eternal life and the chalice of everlasting salvation. Be pleased to look upon these offerings with a serene and kindly countenance and to accept them as once you were pleased to accept the gifts of your servant Abel the just, the sacrifice of Abraham, our father in faith, and the offering of your high priest Melchizedek, a holy sacrifice, a spotless victim. In humble prayer, we ask you, Almighty God, command that these gifts be borne by the hands of your holy angel to your altar on high and the sight of your divine majesty, so that all of us who through this participation at the altar receive the most holy body and blood of your Son may be filled with every grace and heavenly blessing. Remember also, Lord, your servants who have gone before us with the sign of faith and rest in the sleep of peace. Grant them, O Lord, we pray, and all who sleep in Christ, a place of refreshment, light, and peace. To us also, your servants, to those sinners, hope in your abundant mercies. Graciously grant some share in fellowship with your holy apostles and martyrs, with John the Baptist, Stephen, Matthias, Barnabas, Ignatius, Alexander, Marcellinus, Peter, Felicity, Perpetua, Agatha, Lucy, Agnes, Cecilia, Anastasia, and all your saints, 
admit us, we beseech you into their company, not weighing our merits, but granting us your pardon through Christ our Lord, through whom you continue to make all these good things, O Lord. You sanctify them, fill them with life, bless them, and bestow them upon us. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Receptus salutaribus moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere, Pater Nostem, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuur nomen tuum, adveni ad regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis hodie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, Sicur et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed liberanos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. Graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Suffrage of the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy. You should enter under my roof. Only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. I am the wheat of Christ, to be ground by the teeth of beasts, that I may be found to be purebred. An act of spiritual communion. By Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. 
I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Thank Thee who has planted Thy holy name within our hearts. Knowledge and faith and life immortal, Jesus, Thy Son, to us imparts. Thou, Lord, didst make all for Thy pleasure, didst give man food for all his days, giving in Christ the bread eternal, thine is the power, be thine the praise. Watch o'er thy church, O Lord, in mercy, save it from evil, guard it still. Perfected in thy love, united, cleansed and conformed unto thy will. As grain once scattered on the hillsides was in this broken bread made one, so from all lands thy church be gathered into thy kingdom by thy Son. Let us pray. May the heavenly bread we have received, O Lord, on the feast day of St. Ignatius, renew us, we pray, and make us Christians in name and in deed. Through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. 
from every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, this is Coach Kimball from Arrows and Strake Jesuit Rugby. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.